You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Scott Shute. Scott is the head of mindfulness and compassion programs at LinkedIn and the author of a new book titled The Full Body Yes, Change Your Work and Your World from the Inside Out. On today's episode, Scott will be sharing his thoughts on embracing mental wellness in the workplace. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Scott Shute. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you on the show. I've been wanting a long time to talk about this topic. But before we get started, before I forget, let's uh, have you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. Well, in my current role, I am the head of mindfulness and compassion programs at LinkedIn. Um, and kind of, you know, long story short, got here via being an executive. I've had a career as a customer service exec. I led VP, I was the VP of global customer operations at LinkedIn. But I've also had, you know, a practice in mindfulness since I was a kid. And in this role, I get to put everything together. And, you know, my, my mission is to change work from the inside out by mainstreaming mindfulness and operationalizing compassion. I love it. It's a great title. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. Head of mindfulness and compassion programs. I love it. So what I want to know is that this type of position at a company like LinkedIn, is that like an indicator of kind of the change in the way wellness and employee well-being is kind of now being viewed in corporate America? I think so. I think we're seeing an evolution. You can think of mindfulness uh, as kind of like mental exercise as a corollary to physical exercise. And what I didn't know till recently is that physical exercise is kind of a new thing, right? Our grandparents, our great grandparents, they didn't ex- they didn't get on a treadmill, um, and so so it's only no recently for them, <laughs> yeah, or no Peloton for them. They worked hard, right? But exercise, physical exercise, is a relatively new thing, and companies have embraced that over the last thirty or forty years. And now any company who wants to take care of their employees offers a gym, you know, if they have a lot of employees. And in the same way, these mental exercises have a lot of the same benefits, reduces stress, reduces anxiety, increases our creativity, increases the quality of our relationships. And we're on this path, hopefully it won't take us 50 years for it to be normalized, but we're on this path to normalize these mental exercises like meditation. And we think about that all the time, you know, especially as we age, we start realizing that, wow, I got to keep flexing my brain muscle or I'm going to lose it like everything else. Like if I don't keep you know, my range of motion, I'm going to lose that as well. That's so right. I think that's super important. That's right. Um, and honestly, how many organizations these days, you know, in the information economy, how many times do the, does the organization need their employees to run a six minute mile or really lift heavy objects? 
Now, some people do if you're working manufacturing or delivery, but most of us are sitting around in desks, you know, typing. And so we don't need to be physically fit as much, but be mentally fit or be able to deal with our emotions. Oh, yeah. Every day, all day. Oh, yeah. Especially now. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we go. I just was remembering when I was going to law school, I had a friend I was doing uh, contract work. Uh, just to waiting for law school to start and all that. And uh, my friend was in HR at a company, that big company, it's no longer around anymore, but it was manufacturing. And I remember we went in to do something like stuff HR packets or something. I don't know what it was. And we had to go through the manufacturing floor to get to her office. And all of a sudden, this sound comes over the loudspeakers. Everybody stops, steps away from their machinery and starts doing Tai Chi. Oh, wow. <laughs> What is going on? This is like 20 years ago. What That's are great. they doing? Because they're all doing their, you know. That's great. It was awesome. And I know it's more <laughs> than that, but I thought yeah, that was, for sure. It was really yeah, interesting. Well, what you're what you're talking about is viewing us as workers as a whole person, right? right? And and why not do Tai Chi or meditation or workout or whatever? Because when we are at our best, when every employee is at its best, the company is going to be at its best. That's pretty simple to understand. Yeah. And I do think that's one of the things that gets sort of forgotten in the mix. We talk a lot on the show about the workplace of the future. And what I think is interesting is with COVID, it's kind of brought the future to us faster. And I think you're really going to start to see an impact on retention and recruiting where companies are not being mindful, forget, forgive the pun, of the fact that things are different now and people do expect difference in the, you know, they want their wellness issues addressed because we're all suffering sure. at some level from all of this, whether it's Zoom fatigue, whether it's just an absence of our loved ones, whatever sure. it might be. And it's, it's impacting us in ways that we don't even realize. And it's got to be on, in part, productivity. And I think if employers are going to say, no, we're going back to normal, I think it's just, don't you think it's going to skyrocket those, those wellness issues? For sure. I think your original point about kind of the, the war for talent, right? Mm -hmm. As we move more and more and more into the information age, Every company, their most important asset is their people. Um, many of us, many companies like LinkedIn, we don't have hard assets, right? We're not mining copper. We're not selling, you know, a physical good. We only have uh, soft assets. We only, and so our number one asset is our people. So coming up with policies that really address the whole person, realizing that this person has a family, realizing that this person has stuff to deal with mentally, physically, emotionally, all those things. And being able to create an environment where we get the best out of that person, yes, and we allow them to do their best work by allowing some flexibility in all ways, right? So creating policies where they can go to the doctor if they need to, or creating help for them to get mental health resources when they need them, or whatever those are, you're absolutely right. People will start voting with their feet, and they'll pick companies who treat them as a person, not just a widget you know, to be used. I want to talk a little bit about kind of step back a little broadly because I have a more specific question about stigma. But when we talk about embracing mental wellness in like in a workplace context, in your opinion, tell me what that looks like. 
Well, I think there's a range of things, everything from what I call vitamins to the emergency room. On, on the one end of things, you have the emergency room, which is you know terrible, like suicide hotline or health benefits if you go to the literally the emergency room or things like the EAP programs. Um, now I've forgotten what the acronym stands for. You probably know better than I do. I was just employee, doing it by I think head when you said I it. I think it's employee assistance Employee yeah, assistance employee programs. And we program. say programs after the P, which anyway, you, you get it. Uh, those are the things that are like when you're in trouble resources, right? But in addition to those, we provide things to keep you mentally well. So things like meditation programs or mindfulness programs or workshops on things like resilience. Uh, these are the types of things that I do at LinkedIn. And, you know, what we, we just did a, uh, there's just a survey came out a workplace skill survey. Um, we surveyed uh, learning and development professionals for what is the what are the most important skills that their employees need. You know, number one, you want to know what that was? Yeah. Resilience. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and number eight, a along every other skill that's listed, number eight was um, mindfulness and the ability to kind of you know self regulate. So these are right in the center point of what we're do what we're doing, but also what companies are seeing are the most critical skills. And so being able to offer the wide variety for everyone, whether you're, whether you want to keep your mental health and you're doing just fine and you just need a little bit of help or whether you're really in trouble and need some, need some help there. I love it. All right. I'm getting the signal. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back uh, with more from Scott on embracing mental wellness in the workplace. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Scott Shute, author and the head of mindfulness and compassion programs at LinkedIn about embracing mental wellness in the workplace. I want to ask you a little bit about I don't know if it's because maybe I grew up on the tail end of don't trust, don't trust big brother and don't trust the government, all that sort of stuff. Right. But I often think about one of the biggest stumbling blocks in the workplace anyway, anyway, is this idea that if I, if I look weak, if I somehow show that I might need uh, an accommodation of some kind, a lot of my law practice has always been about uh, disability discrimination and that sort of thing. So do you think that's changing in companies or is there still, you know, I, I don't know how that changes from a cultural perspective in the workplace. 
Well, there's a couple things that we can talk about. One is vulnerability and leadership. And so as you're talking, you know, <laughs> through the years, leaders wanted to put on this real kind of tough guy, and usually it was guys, right? Tough guy image. And what we're finding is people want to have real conversations. They want to be treated like real people. And that means, you know, accepting me as my whole, uh, the whole of who I am. And for leaders, if they are able to talk about their own challenges, if they are able to acknowledge that things are hard for the rest of us and for themselves as well, it creates a connection. And it's counterintuitive, but leaders who are strong in their own vulnerability are the most powerful leaders. And it creates also an umbrella of safety for the organization, for the rest of us to have conversations about our own challenges. And I think that that's just natural and is goodness over time. So there's a little bit of a, a counterintuitiveness. The second piece you kind of alluded to is, wow, as a person, as a worker, should I show any weakness? You know, And maybe it depends on the culture that you work in. But a lot of these things, if we're talking about mental health issues, a lot of these things can be done in private. If it really is like, I need help, a lot of these things are, are very much private and are worker-focused. So that should be just fine. And then there's things like coming to a meditation session, which I, I don't view as a weakness at all. That's just having a, you know, a, a strength in your own belief system, in your own practice. When you were saying that, I think I want to correct myself because I don't, it, weakness was really the wrong kind of way that was more of a perception as opposed uh-huh. to the feeling that it is. Cause I don't think it's weak to admit that, Hey, this is tough. I'm going through a tough time or I need assistance right. or, you know, showing that I was thinking more of the, per- you know, that old perception that any sort of chink in the armor is going right. to be viewed as you know, you're right. And this is, this is what we have to get over, right? Because there's this stigma yeah. that if I admit to not being perfect, Right. If I admit to having a bad day, that that I am weak, and we, that is a stigma we need to get over to be able to have real conversations about what's going on with us. Uh, and I think it's it's in that real conversation and in that vulnerability where we collectively gain strength. Actually, I agree. I, in preparing for the show, we sort of talked about uh, COVID as being the great equalizer. And I think that's true. You mentioned, um, you made a great point about what Zoom, you know, this Zoom idea, this remote work has brought to that. You want to expand on that a little bit? Sure. You know, in the old days, the old days of, you know, (laughs) early 2020, when when we had company meetings, we'd all get together, you know, and the CEO is on stage and there's a little bit of a separation, right? Well, now we're all on Zoom and and the the CEO and the rest of the C-suite, they're all on Zoom. And they're dressed just like we are, you know, kind of in our at-home business attire, whatever that is. That's probably a whole new uh, clothing category now. And sometimes their dogs are rolling through and sometimes their kids are there and you see their living room or their office or the kids' artwork. So it's humanized all of us, right? It's taken away kind of this facade of the corner office and putting somebody on a pedestal. And it's like, look, this is a person first, just like I am a person first. And the more of that we can kind of take down the barriers between us, the more we can all be at our best, really. We, we don't need the facade to function. We don't need to have, yes, look, we all have roles at a company, but if we can see each other as people first, 
we're all going to feel a lot more comfortable at work and probably give more of ourselves to the work. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to understand, you know, when this is, because this really is a top down sort of thing. You've got to have buy-in at the top to embrace this sort of openness and to get rid of that stigmatism. But I've always had so much more respect for someone that I know can laugh, can, you know, is not perfect, is willing to be human in that leadership role at no matter what level they're at. I think it's super important. And I think that's the common response. People want leaders that are real, right? Because they see themselves in those leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so let's get a little practical in the in the time that we have left. Um, so what insights can you share that would assist a company sort of in helping employees who might be struggling at this time? Sure. I think there's several things. There's the programs that you add, it, things, you know, like the EAP programs all the way down to, not down to, but the, the range of things to mental wellness, like meditation programs. And if you, there's lots of great partners, you know, you're probably more aware of the health benefits ones, but if you're interested in having a partner on things like resilience or meditation or mindfulness, a partner like Wisdom Labs or others is a great partner. So those are kind of the offerings. And then there's policies, right? Are we treating people as people or workers, right? Mm -hmm. Policies to give them whatever, time off to go deal with whatever they need to do. Uh, Some things that we do at LinkedIn and and perhaps other companies are that we have no meeting days. I think, you know, about once a month, we'll have a Friday where there's just no meeting days and you can use it for whatever you need to do to get caught up, to take care of whatever you need to take care of. We're trying to offer a little bit more time off. We had a we jokingly called it spring break. It had it had a different name than that. <laughs> oh, but uh, you know, in the spring, we gave everybody the week off paid, uh, just to just to be able to reset. And so when we when we offer these types of things, and we are also acknowledging, right? When the leadership team is acknowledging that these are hard times, then we've treated people in conversation like people first, and we're, that shows that we're really valuing them because. Look, every leader is also part of the company. We want to build a company that we want to work at too. And so building policies and every way we run the company is how we shape all of our mental wellness. I agree. That's great. That's great. Was this a culture that you came into at LinkedIn or did you introduce this concept? This is absolutely a culture I came into. Uh, and so I, I never want to say that I'm, you know, I'm creating a culture of mindfulness and compassion. I'm enhancing the one that was already there. E- even from the very founders, you know, Reed Hoffman, Alan Blue, they created a, a place that's super compassionate. Jeff Weiner, our CEO for a very long time, was talking about compassion in leadership, was talking about his own practice, you know, using headspace. So these leaders and this culture gave me the umbrella of safety to kind of step into this leadership position and you know, hopefully take it to the next level. I think that's great. So as we wrapped up today's shows, do you have any tips, cautionary tales, words of wisdom or thoughts for the future that you wanna leave our guests with? Sure, I guess, you know, for each one of us, thinking about our own wellness is not a luxury. 
right? Our own physical wellness or our own mental wellness. It's not a luxury. It's not a selfish thing. The rest of us need you to do it. <laughs> and for companies thinking about our employees, just like we would think about our grandmother or the people that are closest to us, like how would we treat our employees and how, how would we like them to be at their best? And then offering, as we said, the policies, the procedures, the, the benefits that build a culture where compassion is at the root of it. And not just because it feels good and it does feel good, but because it's the way to build, you know, a successful company. It's the way to win. I love it. And we all want to win. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your insights and your compassion and your mindfulness with us. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Loved it. You can learn more about Scott by visiting www.scottshute.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-S-H-U-T-E.com. You can also connect with Scott via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and our workplace perspective team extraordinaire, our engineer, Paul Roberts. Our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Brissolone. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar.